I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Put your bubble away, Sydney. Oh, I forgot to put my underwear on. The boyhood dream has come true. Ooh. All of you! We're here via the Ica Pro powered DeLorean, stumbling through the final days, the vinegar strokes oh. of 1996. <laughs> Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, joined by the mulligan to my O'Hare on this pancake day, the Clive Fuck of Cultaholic, <laughs> the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. What's so funny, Jackie? Well, it's, uh, yeah, like you said there, it's happy titty biscuits day to you there. Titty uh, biscuits. Um, uh, li- we, we, we like to show you, the listener out there, show. We show a listener somehow. I don't know how we do that. Uh, via mime. Fuck it, why not? Uh, a little how the sausage is made. And let me say, it's been a fucking palaver. Oh, <laughs> so we've had some issues over the last couple of weeks. It's And it's... And it's just with this podcast, it seems. It seems that it's cursed because we've had technical issues where the video has dropped out. I tried to go into a new studio today and the entire software just shat on its own face and on its own shoes. So we've had to come back in here. We're about 25 minutes later than we said we'd start. But here we are. And Jackie Orlando has had the the very rare, the the... The, uh, the the white wolf, the the unicorn shit that is a quite frazzled Tom Campbell. Yeah, because I've seen you approach the point of burnout and you can see the sadness in the eyes behind the smile. Whereas now all I can hear is just, you sound fucking done. And it's made me piss myself for 25 minutes. I think for many, it's, it's uh, proof that I'm human after all. Hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people just think I'm I'm all sparkles and daylight, uh, but today I'm quite annoyed by technology. Especially like you said, it's pancake day. I actually oh. came onto our work chat ahead of my shift this morning to tell everyone to tell you happy pancake day. It's the earliest you've ever been. It is. Oh, I was fucking ready for it. I woke up and went, hmm, it, it smells like a Tuesday of the Shrove today. <laughs> 
And it, it is a day that <laughs> that lives in infamy in my head. Um, <laughs> it's, obviously, you're hearing this like the following week. So by now, hopefully, you've enjoyed your pancakes. And no, I still couldn't give a shiny shite what you have on them. <laughs> um, <laughs> for me, right, and I don't, I'm sure I've talked about this on numerous podcasts before, but it is... Pancake Day is a particular point of frustration not to do with the pancakes. There is no issue with pancakes. They're, they're, fe- they're an excellent delicacy. Spoiler, I had pancake day. I had pancakes myself on Pancake Day. I ain't shy. What grinds my motherfucking ears, like Steve Muffung Blackman, um, what grinds my... That's a nice wrestling bios reference. You're welcome. What grinds my gears is the banality of... Uh, my other passion in life, which is radio uh, on Pancake Day. Not everybody, hashtag not all radio presenters, but a strong number of you delicious fucking bastards drop to the lowest common denominator bullshit on a day like Pancake Day where you where you do your punt out, which is radio parlance for a, a question of the day or a topic for... For, for interaction, your punt out is, what did you have on your pancakes today? What have you got on? Is, it is the, shite, right? That's not what's on the pancakes. It is shite, the, the level of conversation, because it's a really boring thing to ask someone. It's so boring. Because what's, like, I live it, I am proud of whenever I am on air, I am proud to, to make at least some content that's a bit different, that's engaging, that's ear-catching. You get some nice stories when I'm on air. You get some people telling some nice anecdotes. The amount of fucking presenters who should know fucking better, who go on and go, what you have on your pancakes? And then spend 10 minutes reading out, hello to Doreen, who has sugar. Hello to Mike, who has syrup. Hello to Keith, who has Nutella. Oh, here's Ed Sheeran. You can all fuck off. <laughs> See, right. Oh! <laughs> In my ears, I'm hearing Tom Campbell, but in my mind's eye, I'm picturing Paul Heyman. (laughs) (laughs) He's been up since 2 a.m. It's 1999. He's fucking up to his gills in cocaine, and all his top stars are going to Vince McMahon. He's done. (laughs) And and he's put the radio on, and they're asking, what are you having on your fucking pancakes today? (laughs) It's Okay, some of this is tongue-in-cheek. Most of it's not. Um, And it's more the fact that I made the mistake. I made the mistake in life of sharing with my handsome and kind friends at work about my frustration with the banality of Pancake Day Radio. So every year... The, the the glee on fucking people's faces when I walk into the office on a Tuesday morning. And you, Clive, fuck. Emphasis on the Clive. Uh, <laughs> who went online on our work chat, especially early this morning, to wish everyone a happy fucking pancake day. <laughs> I mean, as as the as the chaotic winder up in chief of the entire company, the man who wouldn't let me have you know a moment while tired in kayfabe with an internationally renowned wrestler without letting me know about it every day for the next nine fucking months. 
I woke up this morning with uh, the proudest erection I've ever had. <laughs> it out. Oh, mate, same. <laughs> Bound it out of bed. Was just like, let's Careful fire up the that. old slack. <laughs> oh, God, I know. Well. <laughs> just like the idea that you said you woke up with the proudest erection and went to find slack. <laughs> I've been fired. If you're hearing this, this is the last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> so well yeah so thanks for that and happy pancake day to all who celebrate it I I, I I genuinely hand on heart hope you had lovely pancakes and I mean that from the bottom of my heart I couldn't give a shiny shite what you had on them but I hope you had nice pancakes I right don't I'm even sure. tell me what you had I could not give a damn <laughs> I'm not, but you're going to tell me to fuck off because you've made such a point of this. No one in the office actually knows what you have in your pancakes. And, and, actually... they, and they never fucking will. <laughs> it's probably cheese knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight it's fucking battery acid. <laughs> it's the blood of my enemies tonight on there. <laughs> and also, and, and so, 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 technical problems. It's pancake day. And also, my voice is a bit fucked. <laughs> And, and for some reason, whenever my voice is a bit raspy, it puts me in a bad mood. I guess because I like my voice. And whenever I, whenever I, I don't know what's happened. I've just razzed it on the weekend doing ring announcing and radio shows and all other stuff. Um, but it's, it's particularly raspy today. And, it, and, and every time it gets like this, it comes with a slight fear that it'll never come back again. <laughs> it's, it's every time I go, well, this is it. This is the end now. This is my moneymaker. Should have gone to get it insured, but last, alas, I didn't. Well, it, now you just enter it in your Brian Pillman era, so it's all right. <laughs> it's, that's probably that's it, isn't it? I'm just I'm getting it to be Brian Pillman with me with me polyps in my throat. Was it polyps <laughs> you, he had on his voice box? I think it was. Possibly, but you know, I'm, I'm still looking forward to you getting in the ring at North and threatening to get your dick out <laughs> again. <laughs> His house burnt down. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's enough of me. I feel better. I have, <laughs> I have vented my spleen. Uh, how are you, Jackie Orlando? Yeah, can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think you should. I think you've earned it today. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Um, I, uh, if you recall from like the last couple of weeks, I've not really been sleeping very well. I've been feeling, you know, a bit anxious. Oh yeah. So I, de- I decided to treat myself and cure it by going to see um, Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest in Cinemas, which is uh, the most harrowing uh, Auschwitz film I've ever seen in my life. So wow. that was good. <laughs> I remember you telling us about this last week. Oh, it was it was rough. Okay. Very good film, but Jesus Christ. I was gonna, I was gonna I kind of want to say how was it, but then. It's it's a film about Auschwitz, so it's it's not the, it's it's not the jolliest of films. No, it, it it needs to be seen. It's a fantastic bit of filmmaking, and it stayed with me for a good few days. And then after that, I kind of had like a reset, and I was like, right, we're okay now. Have a sleep, and then um, yeah. But it's it's very good film, and I'm in I'm in two mindsets. Of one is that I never want to see it again, and the other part of me is I really want to see it again. So, um, but apart from that, I'm okay. Are you, is, are you back to sleeping normally now? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Because it's horrible when you don't sleep properly, so I can... I, can I mean, I, I did something you've literally never, ever done um, on Sunday morning. Uh, I stayed in bed until 1pm. What are you doing that uh, for? 
I just, I just, I don't know. I'll have you know. know. I'll have you know. I have stayed in bed till one p.m. I mean, I got into bed at ten a.m. But <laughs> that's, that's, I stayed in bed till one p.m. <laughs> Cast aspersions on me. But how lovely! Did you play Minecraft in bed? Uh, no, I didn't. I gave up on Minecraft because I, uh, uh, I I got killed and lost all my good stuff. I went. Well, that was five years work down no! the drain. Somebody did yeah. somebody rob you? No, I um I was uh, building a nice tunnel in hell and I got blown up and landed in lava and all my good stuff. Went, I just went, oh, I can't be bothered doing that again. So oh. I'll, I'll come back to it in a few months. Oh, bless you. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. So, uh, well, to take the edge off of that film, I've just been reading loads of old Beano books. So been... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel very heavy after seeing the zone of interest. What are the bastard kids up to? <laughs> Basically, yeah. I'd be like, oh, Nasha, you are a horrible dog. (laughs) (laughs) What what are they calling Fatty now? Oh, I don't know. They they don't call him Fatty anymore in the Beano. No, they don't. um, Because I know that they obviously changed uh, Walter the Softy as well, didn't they? Because they realised, oh, it's not cool if Dennis the Menace is just beating up a gay kid. Um, So... Fatty from the Bash Street Kids. Uh, it says here his name is now Freddy. Okay. Freddy Fatty. No. Um, <laughs> he was Fatty Fudge, but I think he's now Frederick Joseph, according to the Beano Wiki. Wow. Okay. There you go. Uh, but I mean, obviously, it's funny because they go, we we don't like calling him Fatty because it's it's offensive and it's a stereotype of larger people, so we'll call him Freddy. Yet the graphic on the wiki is Freddy holding a bag of cakes. So. <laughs> It's, they've they've tried. Yeah, and I like the fact that Spotty is probably still Spotty as well. I <laughs> oh, miss the Beano. Yeah, that's nice. Have you just always had those books, or did you go out and buy some? I, I went out and bought some. Uh, like I've got like one from like seventy three, and then some from the eighties. Some some that I remember reading as a kid. You know, hand me downs and stuff, and some of the stuff from the seventies. Oh boy, let's oh. Um, yeah, that wouldn't get published today. <laughs> <laughs> They're quite dicey, aren't they? Some of them, to put it very lightly. Yeah, let's let's. Oh, yeah, let's just say that um, if if you weren't white, uh, you were probably uh, a bit of a target, unfortunately, for bits of the B. You know, so. there's a lot of that in there. Yeah. It's a lot of that. I mean, it's incredible that the, that the whole thing is still going. Yeah, yeah. It's a testament to yeah. to the Beano. And it's a testament to you and I that after several years, we are still forging our way through Monday Night Raw <laughs> in 1996. I feel like we've been in 1996 forever, like we're trapped. Oh, it's, it's been... It's been hard. long. It's been very long. We've got two episodes of Raw left for 1996. And then into the, the I'm sure, uninteresting era of 1997. I'm sure nothing of interest happens in 97. I mean, I'm using my clairvoyant powers and I'm already shitting my pants because I think we've only got about four or five more episodes before it, until it goes two hours. So, oh, no. <laughs> I'll miss these 47 minute episodes of Raw. Oh, in and out like a bank robbery. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Uh, let's take a look before we get into Raw, uh, the Wrestling Observer for this week. 
Uh, and before we get into this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, I like to take a look at what's happening uh, across the boring real world, uh, the real world of everything else. So number one movie in the UK box office is still 101 Dalmatians. Mm. Still hanging on in there. Uh, number one in the US box office is Beavis and Butthead Do America. Oh, fantastic. Great film. Co-written and directed by Mike Judge, who created the series. Uh, Demi Moore, Bruce Willis, uh, both starring as supporting roles as Beavis and Butthead. Well, get, become fugitives and make a run for it across America with hilarious results. Oh, fantastic. I, I still love Beavis and Butthead. I've still got all the DVDs. Um, I haven't watched the new series or the new film, but I do intend to get around to it. Yeah, always been a favourite of mine. From what I understand, it is uh, a, a testament to the older stuff. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, right. I'm, uh, I'm on board. You'll be relieved to know. Yeah. Um, number one in the UK charts, knocking on heaven's door this week. So this is the re-release of the Bob Dylan song, uh, it, which was done in memory of the school children and the teacher killed in the Dunblane school massacre oh. uh, from Dunblane Primary School back at the start of this year. Um, there was... Uh, there was a, an appalling incident that took place that took the life of 16 pupils, left 15 injured, uh, and and we lost a teacher through it as well. Uh, the song was done to raise money for children's charities, uh, and it's one of the very few occasions that Bob Dylan has authorised anybody to add or change lyrics to one of his songs. He felt this was obviously a very appropriate, ver- appropriate reason to do it. Uh, the version that goes number one features children uh, from the village of Dunblane singing the chorus with Martin Knopfler. Oh, and okay. uh, and it all raised loads of money for charity and was number one in the UK this week. Uh, in the States, Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart, still hanging on in there at number one in there. She's been there for a little while now as Tony Braxton. Good, good on Tony Braxton. Get Happy in Christmas there. in 1996 to Tony Braxton. Happy Christmas to Tony. Uh, let's, uh, so the penultimate Wrestling Observer newsletter for yes. this year. What has our boy Dave Meltzer been talking about? Fucking loads this week, Tom. Oh, uh, it was it was a bit it was a bit wather thin last week, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, and this is the Wrestling Observer newsletter dated December thirtieth, nineteen ninety six. As always, we lead with WWF because this is a WWF podcast, but it isn't the biggest news of the week. It's not a WWF podcast. No. It's a Tom and Jack Atkins talk bollocks podcast. <laughs> Yes, but in the guise of us actually doing work and not just talking about Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. <laughs> there is that as well. So, as we'll come on to in this uh, episode of Raw that we're going to look at today, uh, the WWF have officially announced Shock on Saturday night. Uh, At this point in time, it is days away from its debut, and according to Dave, still very little has been released about the show. What is known is that the show will air live in New York from 11pm until midnight on WLIG Channel 55 on Long Island, which is available in most of the five boroughs of New York City on cable. It will emanate from different nightclubs, with the January 4th debut being from the Mirage at 610 West 56th Street in Manhattan, which would have the capacity to hold 3,000 people. Whether they get that many, I'm sure we'll have to look at Shotgun when it starts. Um but the way he's described it has already sound quite uh so <laughs> <laughs> quite uh it is believed there will be three live matches plus a series of entertainment and comedy oriented <laughs> sketches and attempts to get celebrities on as being there to create the aura that it's the new in thing to do on a Saturday night. I'm sure we'll see Neil and Christy in Hamilton before the year is out. <laughs> oh, come on. The biggest names that will appear on the first show from the WWF side are Ahmed Johnson, Goldust and the Godwins as most of the group's headliners will be working in Stockton, California that night. The show will be more risque than the other WWF programming but it won't attempt to do anything at the level of ECW such as the brawling in the crowd 
crowd or juice. Uh, the WWF has on its website claimed that the show will revolutionise the industry like Saturday Night's main event did in the mid-1980s. It is believed that besides the wrestling, there will be an emphasis on bodybuilder-like men and beautiful women appearing on the air in skits and perhaps planted crowd shots. Oh, see, I, I, when, you, when you first see the aesthetic of Shotgun Saturday Night, you think they're leaning into... Uh, ECW-esque territory with it mm. but it's being done in a WWF way so hold on to your trousers yeah we'll, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll touch a bit more on Shock on Saturday Night later in this episode because, I remember watching yeah. um, watching the Jake Roberts DVD because there was because what's lovely about doing this podcast with my good friend Jackie Orlando <laughs> is uh, one it's good chance to talk shit with Jackie Orlando uh, but also this is a bit of a, a dead zone for my brain as a wrestling fan because I wasn't really watching it at this point I didn't dip back in properly until 1999 so I'm seeing a lot of this stuff for the first time and I remember watching the Jake Roberts DVD and there's a clip on there of Jake walking to the ring in a nightclub with pole dancers next to him and I was like what company's that from and the WWF logo was in the corner and I was and I was like this doesn't seem right that doesn't compute that looks nothing like the new generation era there's a pole dancer and they're in a nightclub and it was just a curiosity for me for many years so I am so excited that we're reaching the point where we're actually going to get to see these shows and talk about them yeah, because I remember Shotgun from obviously being a, a fan. I got back into wrestling, I, I want to say late 97, 98, around then. But obviously in the 99s and 2000s, it just became another show like Jacked and Heat, etc. So I had no idea about this, you know, the the original guys of Shotgun until years, years later. And I've still not watched anything of it. So yeah, looking forward to having a little dip. Oh, yes, sir. So some Royal Rumble news. As we talked about, Triple A are in town and the plan was to basically... Before the cameras go live, uh, AAA matches to the live crowd and then transition into the WWF show. So Dave is saying the as yet unannounced AAA match on the card will apparently be El Kenek and Pedro Aguayo and Hector Garza versus Jerry Estrada and Fuerza Guerrera, brackets father of Juventud Guerrera and Heavy Metal. The wrestlers in the AAA trios match won't be in the Rumble. However, it is believed that all the other wrestlers, with the exception of Shawn Michaels and Sid on the undercard, will be in the match. Um, there will be three other AAA matches on the Alamodo show, one of which may or may not air as part of the free-for-all, and the other two will definitely not be aired on live TV. The remaining AAA matches are a minis match with Mascarita Sagrada Jr. and La Paquita, uh, as he's put here, might come in with another gimmick as La Park is now in WCW, versus Mini Big Van Vader and Mini Mankind. I, I I hope we see that. That'll be amazing. Um, I'm sure we do. The other matches will be Octagon and Teeny Blast Jr. versus Blue Demon Jr. and Pentagon Pentagon, sorry, and Hysteria, brackets formerly super crazy, and a third Ooh. partner. And an opening tag match with Venom and Paraguay Jr. versus Mosco, Della Merced, and Maniaco. So uh, some- I remember I don't remember there being that many. Uh, matches from the AAA contingent but I guess mm. a lot of it they just they have just for the live crowd yeah yeah well uh, yeah uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if the even because I'm going into this rumble completely blind I know the outcome of the rumble but the actual event never watched anything from it so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing oh nice um, I will I'm going to jump the gun a little have you briefly watched Superstars this week Tom I have watched Superstars this week was there a very special wrestler on it, or was it only a dark match? Um, now, the shotgun I think I watched was from a different venue. Mm, because 
So, the, so I mean, the matches that I got from superstars for this week, in terms of people that stand out to me, um, there was uh, Pierroff facing Matt Hardy. Mm. Uh, we had an appearance by Jason Arndt, uh, future, to be known in the future as Joey Abs. Mm-hmm. And we had a main event that featured The Undertaker and Diesel. Okay, because there was a, a tryout match. I think it was a dark match. And what I've looked up, it was a dark match. Uh, the Superstars uh, recorded December 17th in Daytona Beach, Florida. Aldo Montoya beat Mike Awesome. Ooh! So... 1996, we get a Just Incredible versus Mike Awesome. Wow! I, I haven't seen this. Yeah, but I, I did do some digging, and it said it suggested it was a dark match. But I thought if you've watched it, you know, it, it, it might have said something about it. But um, apparently, this is Mike Awesome's only WWF match until an invasion or something. I don't know what that is. So. <laughs> oh no, not mm. that again! That's amazing. No, that sadly didn't come across my uh, my my eye range this week when I watched Superstars. But uh, yeah. I mean, I might I might see if I can. Go, I'll have a look later and see if I can dig it out. Yeah, because I got a bit distracted while doing my notes. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go watch a load of Mike Awesome stuff on YouTube. Now. So, um, we go over from Mike Awesome to Billy Gunn. And obviously last week we saw the angle, the Billy and Bart Gunn angle, where Billy Gunn, they were suggesting he broke his neck. The way that Dave's written it up, he says, they are selling the Billy Gunn angle as if he's confined to a wheelchair due to, due to neck injuries. But... Gunn was on a live wire, all apologetic. It sounds to Dave like they are redoing the Sandman Tommy Dreamer angle for a few years ago, with the baby faces all apologetic about the injury, only at the end to be done in because the heel was faking it all along. Uh, and we'll, we'll we'll come on to that later because as mentioned, as you mentioned the other week, that wasn't Billy Gunn's real wife. So no, it wasn't. No. I, I, which I was, I felt very duped by. Get get real, um, Lady Gun. Yeah. Exactly. We, we all want a lady gun. <laughs> why does lady gun sound? Why does a lady gun sound like a marital aid of some sort? <laughs> I was gonna say. It's, it's, I've just got images of like Timothy Dalton era James Bond, where it'd be like, "Oh, has he met his match?" And the Bond girl would have like the tiniest gun of all time. <laughs> but it blows up a whole wall. Yeah, it's like the noisy cricket from Men in Black. <laughs> Uh, a bit of WWF bollocks here, which made me laugh. WWF did a trivia fact on one of its shows saying the promotion is broadcast in seven different languages. One of them listed was Japanese, which ruined the credibility of the piece because WWF isn't broadcast in Japanese. <laughs> so they're just lying then, basically. Just, just lying, yeah. Just lying. Because they're thinking no one's going to check. Well, of course, Dave is. He had nothing better to do in 1996. <laughs> Dave's job to check. Just, just, just ringing his mate in, in, in Tokyo would be like, hey, it's hey, WWF hey, broadcast over there. Kabashi-san, uh, could you do us a favour? <laughs> Go on, mate. Hey, Kenta. <laughs> Go on, you big bollocks. Let what, us know. Hey, uh, when he rings Kenta, does he go, all right, Kenta, you big bollocks? <laughs> Tell us how he owes me 20 quid. <laughs> All right, Katie, you prick. <laughs> Talking of, of big bollocks and pricks, though. If, if the phone rings, <laughs> if the phone rings for six, for like six rings, and then Kenta goes, hello, Dave goes, fucking hell, Katie, were you having a wank? 
Alright, Kate. I'm just picturing for some reason I'm just picturing Dave Meltzer as like a London cabbie he's like oh you never never guess who I had the back of my cab the other day oh fuck me it's it's that giant barber he didn't even tip (laughs) arsehole I asked if he'd cut me hair (laughs) (laughs) he said I look like Scott Steiner I was like I can't be doing that (laughs) got a reputation around here Mel- <laughs> Dave Meltzer at the Tokyo Dome after the show he's at the bar and then Kenta, Kenta sidles up to the bar and Dave just goes oi Kenta get around it you cunt <laughs> <laughs> mate he's running outside sunshine Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, today's today's weird bit that we'll never reference again <laughs> is Dave Meltzer being far too casual with Kenta Kabashi <laughs> Talking to people, casual of Katagabashi. Don't be surprised to see a breakup of Vader. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, Vader and Jim Cornette. Uh, Apparently, Cornette is doing the Sunday Superstar show live. He can't go on the road for tours, and they are attempting to use uh, managers, you know, they want managers to be people that they can send on the road, basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, they kind of, well, as we'll see in the next few weeks, uh, they do find a new manager for Vader. Mm. And, it's a, and it's a very cool fix to a problem. Mm. A little bit more on that later. Mm-hmm. Talking of exciting news, though, Tom. WWF are heading to Germany in February, and they'll be adding a European title <gasps> as part of the proceedings. Yay, we've made it! <laughs> the European title's here! And who's the most European man in the WWF in 1996-97? Keta right. Kabashi. Keta Kabashi. He's from, he's from Milan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't hear you, Italian cunt. <laughs> Dave, I'm, from, I'm not from Milan. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought you were. Want to go yeah. get around in? <laughs> Take your tag and tell you fuck off, son. <laughs> Oi, Kenta, spaghetti your ass to the bar and get us a bloody beer. <laughs> Kawada's there, just like, have a word, Kenta. He's like, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, Kawada's going, you shouldn't take that from him if you don't. Nah, he's a mate, he's all right. He's all right. He's, he's just, he's, he talks to you like shit, Kenta. Yeah, oh, right. but he, he means well, he's just, he's just how he is. Yeah. You ladies got a drink in yet? Come on. <laughs> I'm just imagining this version of Dave Meltzer going out on the piss with Dynamite Kid. <laughs> Four oh. dead, seven injured. Fucking. <laughs> okay. I hope, I hope if we, uh, if I heard all in, I hope Dave Meltzer comes to all in and I get to have a chat with him and I get to bring this up with him. <laughs> If Kenta Kabashi rings your phone, Dave, how do you answer? <laughs> Kabashi, you twat. Oh, Kabashi, you twat. <laughs> just sends him like, just sends him like aubergines on text <laughs> when he hasn't spoken to him in a while. Your prick, that is, mate. Talking of pricks, we go over to AAA. <laughs> 
So I left this in because this is ridiculous about the state of wrestling in 1996. The biggest news from AAA is that Hector Garza left CMLL for AAA. Whenever that happens in Mexico, it's a big deal because the two sides, they don't get on, let's put it that way. Uh, Reports are that Antonio Pena offered Garza $260 per match, which was more than double what he was getting in CMLL. He was only getting paid $120 a match. Um, so Pena's saying, right, as double your money, you could go to the WWF. Um, he had been wrestling as part of this AAA invasion. Um, it's not on this show. Um, where am I? I've just lost myself. WWF officials were impressed by Gaza to the point that Super Luchas, Pena's own magazine, reported that Gaza would be working full-time with WWF starting the first week of the year and would work AAA only in between his WWF commitments. So... We'll we'll wait and see how this AAA uh, relationship pans out, but Pena's under the belief that he's working with WWF. Uh, the idea of either doing a house show in Mexico City or for the top WWF talent to work AAA shows in Mexico. Um, so we'll wait and see. I can't help but get the vibe that, and I might be wrong, and I'm happy to be wrong, that as soon as the Alamo show is done, they're just going to drop <laughs> Like a bad smell. Yeah, like a hot brick. Like a hot brick. They're just going to drop them. And that's no disrespect to AAA, who I think uh, just uh, one of the, I just think one of the coolest wrestling companies ever. I've always enjoyed watching AAA stuff. Uh, but I just think, I know what WWF is like as yeah. a company. And they're like, yeah, we love you. We want to work with you all the time. That as soon as it's all, as soon as the relationship is complete, they're like, yeah, we'll call you. Yeah, 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 don't worry. Yeah, we got you. Yeah, all the fours. Yeah, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll call you. Yeah, Mexico. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we'll find you. Yeah, yeah. Dave Meltzer's got your number. We'll get it from him. Um, (laughs) So the the biggest news of the week was about the uh, UWFI, the kind of pioneering uh, federation in Japan, which kind of blended pro wrestling and shoot fighting in the early 90s. You know, not quite how um, Pancrase did it, but it was gaining steam in the early 90s in Japan. So they've announced that their final shows are set for December 25th and 27th in Karakuen Hall. The rumours stemming from this announcement are that top star Nobuhiko Takada uh, with two other UWFI wrestlers will wind up in all Japan. According to Dave, the two others being talked about are Yoshihiro Takayama, brackets, a poor worker, but he's 6'4", and Baba has always had an affinity for tall wrestlers, and Kazushi Sakuraba, a wrestler who's improved into one of UWFI's best workers over the past year. So, I've put on my little clairvoyant hat. Uh, Takada will end up in pride. Takayama will become one of only a handful of men to hold all three of the big uh, titles in Japan. <laughs> For a poor worker, that's not bad. And Sakuraba will also go into MMA and will return to pro wrestling in 2012. Well, so, well, well, the only reason that Dave called Takayama a bad worker was because he was trying to tell Kenta Kabashi to stop hanging out with him. So he's just a bit pissed off with him, isn't he? It's true. And he's, he's not... I don't think he's wrestled in the Tokyo Dome at this point. So we'll, we'll wait and see how he does. Oh, it doesn't well, count until he's done that. Uh, but yeah, UWFI, just reading about it, because um, it peaked in 93 with a sellout crowd of 46,000 fans in Jingu Baseball Stadium. Jeebus. Um, and that was headlined by Takada, UWFI world champion, um, making Vader submit... Um, so they were doing huge business in 1994, kept its position as the most popular of the shoot style worked pro wrestling groups. But MMA really took off in Japan in the kind of 
latter half of the 90s obviously you got stuff like pride which you know it's legitimacy is never questioned but people say that some of the matches may have been fought or fixed slightly and then obviously after UFC gets through all its legal shenanigans and the ultimate fight in America that's when that really takes off but um the Japanese see in the 90s, there's just so much work for everyone until the bubble bursts a little bit. And, but even then, the top two or three companies are still strong. Bloody hell. Mm. Talking about a strong company, ECW time. Hey. Right, so I'm going to try and clip this because there's a lot. Um, we were talking recently about that ECW were iron up going on to pay-per-view, but one of the pay-per-view providers don't like the Tyler Fullington stuff. So... Request Television officially announced this past week they have backed out of the deal. Um, the Request President, Hugh Pinero, said that the company would be breaking its contract with ECW after confirming a series of events he was unaware of beforehand and that the company was uneasy about. So they don't like the Tyler Fullington stuff. They don't like the stuff of Laurie Fullington. And as has become you know, part of the law, they found out about mass transit and went, what the fuck is this? We are, we're not putting this on pay-per-view. No, we're not doing that. Um, so they had an escape clause in their contract. Uh, so they're trying to get out of it. Leaves ECW only with Action TV as a potential pay-per-view car- uh, carrier, which would mean roughly 70% of the pay-per-view universe wouldn't be carrying the show and make doing a live event almost certainly not financially feasible. Paul Heyman said that doing a pay-per-view through Action TV was not one of his backup options for the ma- major first quarter of the year show provided request doesn't carry the event. So Paul Heyman's going to fight this. He's going to fight this. And he's already apparently wants to book Sabu versus Taz and Raven versus Terry Funk as his double main event should they make it to pay-per-view. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Dave goes on talking about the future of ECW, saying, you know, not so much will it be able to survive, just will it be able to grow? Because they've seen that, you know, the risque nature of the Raven-Sandman feud, the, you know, the crucifixions, the bloodlettings, it's not, there's going to be a ceiling for this. And as he's put here, he's saying people within the industry are seeing ECW as a good springboard to go to WWF and WCW. And he lists the amount of people who have left ECW over the past year and a half. Listen for this. Over the past year and a half, ECW have lost Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Two Cold Scorpio, Public Enemy, Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrero, Conan, Cactus Jack, Seacosis, Shane Douglas, who came back, Sabu, who came back, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Dan Crawford, and Doug Furness. Jeez, that's a that's a hell of that's a hell of a roster. Yeah, and he, another thing that like is interesting around this time that Dave said another factor that has been noticeable in the industry for the past few months is that there have been far fewer ECW kind of T-shirts and banners at. Um, WWF and WCW shows because we'd see them a lot because now that the NWO has been cool everyone's just wearing NWO stuff yeah ECW has, has moved into second place to the NWO yeah so we'll, we'll wait and see how ECW gets on but I mean, I, I remember hearing and reading all about the, the paid view thing and how the mm. mass transit incident was what put them off but I think as we've talked about there it was more than just that one incident. Yeah, exactly. It was more than that. 
So, talking about a positive incident, this sounds amazing. ECW held a show in Staten Island on December 21st. It drew approximately 770 people and about 15 grand on the gate. Said to have been a great spot show. I put this in because this sounds amazing. A match with Brian Lee versus Bubba Ray Dudley wound up with them going outside the wrestling arena into the adjacent hockey rink and brawling into and interrupting a roller hockey game. Wow! <laughs> That's amazing. That's quality, isn't it? This is like this is the stuff I miss about things like ECW. It was just they didn't give a fuck. It was great. It's it, I, I I love that that pioneering energy. It's great. Mm. You know, um, the um, there's a venue that North Wrestling used to run, which is called the which is called the Riverside, which is on the Quayside next to the River Tyne. Mm. And it was almost a rite of passage that you'd have a match that would almost end up in the river. Uh, Finn Balor once nearly ended up in the River Tyne uh, <laughs> off the Riverside venue, which is that's, amazing. That's amazing. It just imagine as well, someone walking down and being like, who's that fella there and his foot and undies? <laughs> <laughs> it's Finn Balor, like. <laughs> <laughs> doing over the barrier? <laughs> it, what's, ha- what's handy is, is that around about that time where that was happening, had he fallen into the River Tyne, chances mm. are he would have been uh, he would have been carried to safety by the sheer amount of mo bikes that were thrown in the river during those years. <laughs> That's why we lost mo bikes in Newcastle because because silly asses kept. Because I loved a mo bike, those ones where you just you put your your, your car details <laughs> in, you could borrow a bike for a bit. It's brilliant. And then they got rid of them because every fucker just kept stealing them and chucking them in the river. <laughs> oh, human beings are shit, aren't they? We are shit. I think the same fate has befallen the scooters that we mm. had in, in Newcastle as well. Because I don't see, I haven't seen many of them knocking around for a while. The e-scooters. And again, oh, just kept finding them in the fucking river. I know that they're, they're, they're booming over in Liverpool. Almost get run over them by them at least four or five times a day. But I bet no one's chucking them in the Mersey. No, definitely not. Sensible people. Yeah. But uh, what I was going to say, talking about sensible people who've ended up in rivers. FMW at Sushi Onita held a press conference. He did end up in a river and he nearly died because he's an idiot. Um, (laughs) A great shout. And I love Odita. Not that he's an idiot and nearly died, but the, but the segue. Yes, I'm getting I'm getting okay at this. But uh, Odita held a press conference on December 19th saying that Hayabusa wants to challenge Dave Melter's best mate, Keta Kabashi, for the Triple Crown. And uh, Odita hinted he would be talking with Barber about attempting to put such a match together. Um, I used my clairvoyant powers. I knew that Hayabusa and Katakabashi had faced off, but it was only ever in tag action because Hayabusa and Jinzei Shinzaki will enter, enter the tag league. But I think it was Onita trying to repair his relationship with Giant Baba, but I don't think Baba ever really took him back into his heart, which is a shame. <laughs> talking of someone uh, not taking something into their heart, that was a crap one. Uh, USWA, there have been reports that, according to Dave, due to Christmas, we've been able to confirm, but apparently Jerry Jarrett has sold his 50% share of the USWA to Jerry Lawler. So Lawler now owns the vast majority, if not all, points in the company. The idea that Jarrett would be getting out of the wrestling industry entirely, if that is the case, speaks volumes about the future of the USWA. Bloody hell. Well, Jarrett will always float around the industry. Mm. And uh, and then you'll never quite go away. Yeah, because I, I I know that he'll go on to make, unless he's done it already, make an absolute fortune in, I want to say, like corporate property development, maybe around Nashville. Around and then obviously, there, yeah. and then obviously, you know, 
2002. He's like, oh, God, let's do some wrestling again. <laughs> but uh, that is all the Observer for this week. It was a, a chunky boy, and I cut out quite a lot there, and it was still a chunky boy. Well, thank you very much. Uh, from, from, from speaking of chunky boys, over to Tom. Thank you, Tom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good, that. Lovely. Thank you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's do our regular section. Tom skims through superstars this week. Uh, We don't get a bulldog fix on Raw this week because he is on superstars. Uh, he and Owen Hart have themselves a fun match uh, where they beat Jesse J and Savio Vega in a non-title tag team affair. Good. Uh, Bulldog does a kip up. It looks nice. <laughs> uh, during the match, Steve Austin does a piece, to, does a, a, a picture in picture where he slags off Bulldog and Bret Hart. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, then Steve Austin comes out for a match where he beats Jason Arndt, who will go on to be known as Joey Abs of the Mean Street Posse. Hey. He then gets on the mic, calls everyone in the locker room trash, slags off Bret Hart and says he's coming for him. Brilliant. We then get a Shawn Michaels promo on Superstars hey. where he slags off Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a theme here. Uh, he also slags off Sid. To be fair, uh, he talks about how, like he's he he, he enjoys the fact that the, the WWF fans express themselves how they want, as he does. If he wants to put his hair in a man bun, he will. To which he puts his hair in a man bun. It looks a bit funny, uh, and talks about how he's going to beat Sid at the Alamo Dome. Basically, it's just a little teaser for that. He looks a little bit pished, but not completely pished in this one. He's in a weird. He's in a weird frame of mind at the moment. Is Shawn Michaels, as we'll see on Raw as well. Oh god, the, the energy is strange with Shawn, and it is all leading to something that happens not long after the Alamo Dome. 
Pieroth from AAA is in action on Superstars. And he beats Matt Hardy, who has the Hardy Boys uh, on his pants, on his bum. So <laughs> him and Jeff are tagging, but just not tonight. We haven't seen them on Raw in a while. There was, um, for a long time, Matt and Jeff Hardy were regular uh, enhancement talent guys. And they mm. had a wrestler who they traveled with who would get them bookings. And it turned out that that wrestler was taking pretty much all their money from their bookings. So oh. they distanced themselves from him. And they've not been on Raw as much ever since, which is a shame. Okay. Do you, do you have a name for who that wrestler is? Uh, there, we talk about it extensively in, a, in an older episode of the Classic Raw Review uh, with Justin Henry. That name escapes me right now. Uh, it was Ken Kabashi. It was Ken Kabashi. <laughs> Dave Meltzer was like, Oi, Ken, are you still fucking rich to them Hardy boys? You can't. <laughs> <laughs> How's this for a main event? Jesus Christ, superstars fucking locked and loaded this week. We had Bulldog. We had Owen. <laughs> we had Austin. We had Sean. Main event, The Undertaker beats Diesel by DQ in about three minutes. But it's not Diesel he beats. It's, of course, Glenn Jacobs. So it's an Undertaker-Kane match on Superstars in 1996. So that's that's the second time this year, because I'm sure beginning of the year he took on uh, Isaac Yankum, didn't he? He did indeed. They mm. are star-crossed lovers that will constantly <laughs> find each other, and their matches mostly will range from shit to passable. Yeah, it, it, it's it's the, the entertainment side of the WWF where it's all about the storyline, isn't it? It's all about the story, baby. Mm. It's all about the story. Let's go to Raw. Let's finally go to Raw for December 23rd. And we open hot with an intercontinental title match. It's Mark Merrow challenging Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Mm. Uh, we get a recap of last week's Karate Fighters Tournament final. That's what led to this IC title match <laughs> between these two. Of course, Karate Fighters leads to the intercontinental title. Mm. Uh, Goldust walks through the crowd at the start of this one. Mm. And um, he takes a seat in the crowd, basically. And it's... Grim to say it this way, but the the current gist is because Goldust has opened up about his sexuality and it turns out he likes women, he's a babyface now. That's kind of the vibe that we're getting. And it's a bit crap, but that's kind of what we're doing. And they're leading into it with Goldust walking down to uh, the seat in the crowd, holding hands with Marlena. They sit in the crowd, and I love this bit. As they sit in the crowd, there's a gold spotlight just on them in a very dark crowd shot. So you just, every so often they have a shot of the crowd and then you've just got this gold spotlight on Goldust and Marlena, which I really like. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a nice little touch, that. Um, Mark Mero climbs over Vince McMahon at one point to chase Jerry Lawler away. <laughs> what a gift to the show. Lawler never comes back. Oh, fantastic. Um, Hunter go Now, they fight on the outside of the ring. Hunter goes to hit Mero with a steel chair. And then changes his mind. Mm. And I thought, that's strange. Surely a DQ means he leaves with the belt. Now, did I miss a beat here? Because they mention it just after this, where they say, well, of course, if Hunter gets disqualified, he loses the title. No, I want to... Something was telling me that they did say it last week. I'm sure they did. Okay. Um, Yeah, he he can't lose it on a DQ, can't lose it on a count out. So he's he's got to fight fair and square, Tom. Right. No, no. Did I say he'd lose it on a count out or lose it on a DQ? 
So yeah, he he can lose it on right. if he gets DQ'd. Can't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, several near falls going into the break. When we come back, we see Hunter landing a stalling suplex. Look lovely. Mm. Uh, Mero fights back with a Samoan drop. He goes for a moonsault, a standing moonsault, but Hunter dodges it, capitalizes with, with a pedigree, and gets the one, two, three. A, a clean per- win. A perfect pedigree as well. Oh, Absolutely beautiful. Wonderfully executed. There's There are some sloppy pedigrees over the years, so much so that the sloppy pedigree becomes canon in the wrestling games. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Some later wrestling games, you have like the really wobbly ones that get put in. Like, there's about five variations of the pedigree in yeah. 2K24, 2K23. And, and there's, there's only one or two like really neat ones. Yeah. And the rest are just like body parts flailing, limbs wobbling. Um, what's your favourite lazy pedigree? Lazy pedigree. Uh, I can't think of lazy pedigrees without thinking of OSW and, you know, highlighting Kane's knee. Yeah. I think is the main one. Uh, in terms of who takes the pedigree the nicest, Tommy Dreamer mm. takes a lovely pedigree. He takes a gorgeous pedigree. Yeah, because he doesn't give a fuck. He just lands <laughs> flat on his face. <laughs> Uh, Flash Funk takes a pedigree pile driver that nearly kills him. That was a Ooh. memorable one. Yeah. Um, do you remember the pedigree that Triple H gave Shawn Michaels in 2002? Ooh, no, but I've, I have... Is it from the SummerSlam match? It was before the SummerSlam match. So it was it was the night after Vengeance when Shawn and Triple H had what looked like a DX reunion. Yeah. And then Trips whams him in the stomach and hits a pedigree. But because obviously Shawn's coming off a bad of, of a, a major back injury, it's the safest, softest pedigree because he jumps really high in the air, lets go of, Trip, of Shawn's arms and kind of pushes him down to the ground. Yeah. So he lands flat on his tum-tum. It's, a, it's, it's, it, it's one of those where it looks very impactful, but you know it's being done to, to make sure that Sean is safe as houses on the way down. Good lad, Hunter. Good, Good lad. lad, Hunter. Uh, post-match, Hunter addresses gold dust as Mark Merrow is fuming at ringside. The mm. general idea from commentary is that this might be Merrow's last chance for a long time to get a shot at the IC title, and he's fluffed it. Yeah. Basically, and he and do you know what he did? It wasn't like he would. He can't complain. He wasn't yeah. cheated out of it. It was a clean loss. Yeah, he missed like a best moonsault ever and got hit with a pedigree. Yeah, um, clean as a whistle. Clean as a whistle. Uh, Hunter addresses Goldust afterwards and says that he will meet him at the Royal Rumble for the IC title. He'll show Goldust what a real man is like, and then he'll show Marlena what it's like to be with a real man. And Goldust, enraged and heterosexual, chases <laughs> Hunter Hearst Helmsley off to end the segment. Thoughts on our opening match? It was it was good. There's nice chemistry between Mark Merrow and Triple H. You know, I think... That- we see. We seem to say this about Mark Merrow matches every week. This could have easily been on an in-your-house pay-per-view for me. Um, but I do think it's odd the way that Merrow was, like I said, beating clean and then he's fuming, but he's got no one to beat, you know, blame but himself. Um, Triple H moving straight into this program with Goldust is fine, keeps the wheels in motion, but it just feels weird how abrupt Merrow's push has ended. Very abrupt, very mm. abrupt. Uh, we get a recap of Billy versus Bart from last week and Billy's neck injury 
They closed Raw last week. We talked about this in the opening today, where, mm-hmm. uh, as, they, as Dave Meltzer has said in the Observer, Kabash Jews and Wanker, uh, as, <laughs> as Dave Meltzer said in the Observer, they, you, they're playing this off as the Sandman, blinded storyline from ECW in the same ilk. Uh, they talk about how Billy Gunn has lost all feeling in his lower limbs and he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, Bart Gunn cuts a promo with all the energy of a Premier League striker talking about why they won two, <laughs> why they drew the match against Cheltenham. Uh, where he says, oh, well, I wish I wish it was me and not Billy, but accidents happen, you know. Um, <laughs> all the passion from Bart Gunn. Thanks for stopping by, Bartholomew. Cheers, Bartholomew. He's your man of the match trophy. Oh, yeah. Cheers to you. Yep, thank you. Thank the gaffer. Yep. <laughs> festive Sunny comes to ringside. I say festive because she is wearing a red dress and a Father Christmas hat. There's not much in the way of Christmas uh, stuff around this episode, with uh, the exception of one other bit, which we are literally about to talk about right now. As Festive Study walks to the ring to join Vince and JR, we get another Psycho Sid Christmas Carol. Why are these only about Sid? <laughs> now, on Superstars, they do have a more generic one. Right. Um, but it's not as good as this one. <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, just in case you are curious how this particular Christmas carol goes, you better not shout, <laughs> you better not cry, you better not pout. I'm telling you why. Psychosis is coming to town. <laughs> A leg drop when you're sleeping, <laughs> choke slam when you're awake. <laughs> A power bomb, whether you're bad or good. So run for goodness' sake! Oh, you better not shout. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Kenta Kabashi is a fucking dick. Psycho Sid is coming to town. It is odd how we... So there's been... As far as I know, there's three. One on Superstars, two on Raw. The one on Superstars is a very generic one. The other two have been strictly about Psycho Sid. (laughs) (laughs) Classy Freddy Blassie is just like, you know what? I love the Sid guy. He's great. (laughs) All our our carols should be about him. He's, yeah, because as we all know about Freddie Blassie, he hates pencil neck geeks. And say what you want about Psycho Sid, he's not a pencil neck geek. <laughs> he's not. Do you like how they've, because Freddie, Freddie Blassie had a single in the charts, he is essentially like the on-screen music director. Because he did that weird video where he went, all right, kid, dress up as wrestlers for me and dance to this CD. <laughs> And he is the, and he's also the director of the of the Carol Service. Um, hey, hardest working man in showbiz, Freddie Blassie. <laughs> it's him and Jimmy Hart, really, in terms of music. Mm. Uh, so back to the ring we go. After that, it's a shame I could have done with another four. Uh, Rocky Maivia is in action. The most powerful man in professional wrestling in <laughs> 2024. Hey. Uh, uh, do you know what? Fair fucks. I have been completely encapsulated by what The Rock and Roman and Cody and Seth have been doing uh, in 2024. Did we all get worked, Tom? Yes. Yeah. No. Um, no. I don't know. Can you repeat the question? Uh, now, from from now, from what WrestleVotes have said and what SE Scoops have said, this is a pivot from WWE. Yeah. And the person 
Do you know who it was that decided to change direction? I'm going to say The Rock because no one tells The Rock what to do apart from The Rock. You're right, The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> it was The Rock that went, we should probably give Cody his moment. This is a mistake. Yeah, because I, I, I tweeted, like, I barely ever mentioned wrestling because why would I talk about my work? Um, <laughs> but I, I even tweeted when it was announced, I was like, who gives a fuck about The Rock in 2024? I was like, he's not been good for years. He just comes out and says the same old stuff. And then when I saw they turned him heel, I was like, ah, because we all forget that the best rock is heel rock. He's so the best bloody rock. I just... just- just don't let him swing a chair at any bastard's head. That's all I ask. <laughs> but I think we got worked. I mm. think I think an element of it we got worked. I think they. I reckon they learned a lot earlier on than mm. Thursday that they were going to change direction and they leaned into it at the right times and said nothing at the right times. So we just got ourselves wound up. Yeah, yeah. It's great because we, we got I, content uh, out of it though. That's oh, all it was, kids. Oh, mate, we got bags <laughs> of content out of it. Is um, the the video that went on uh, a few days ago, uh, in which uh, well, it'll be a few days ago now. I recorded it this morning. Uh, time of recording, but it's been a few days in which I claim that Seth Rollins is about to do the unthinkable to Cody Rhodes. I, my clairvoyant powers are saying, yep, people watched it and everybody hates me for making it. That's mm. my clairvoyant powers because that's how wonderfully unpredictable and random the road to WrestleMania this year is. I'm a big fan. I made the mistake. Well, it wasn't a mistake, actually, because just a few hours before the presser, uh, they announced Moana 2. <laughs> and um, so I quote retweeted it. And all I said was, The Rock is reprising his role as Maui, uh, a, a demigod who steals something important from someone and causes <laughs> absolute uproar until it's returned. Ah. And the reaction... So I think, I, I, if, I, if I'm right, the last time I checked, I think it was at 500,000 views <laughs> <laughs> and over 100 retweets, maybe 1,000 retweets. And... Uh, it's so, but I meant I I posted it as The Rock was going on to the Pat McAfee show, so I started getting called a cry a Cody crybaby by all the very well behaved Rock fans who do exactly what they're told to do, mm. <laughs> and uh, got a lot of shit for it. But I love I I hey to quote to quote The Rock in the most condescending way possible. Love the passion. <laughs> That's his catchphrase at the moment. I love it. Love, love the passion. It's so fucking it. condescending and it's perfect. It's hey, yeah. The rock just going, love the passion. <laughs> you fucking prick. I love you. I, I was made up to see because I, I did actually, I watched bits of the um, press conference after it happened. And when he's showing the Anawahi family tree, I was like, fuck yes, Gary Albright's on there. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Gary Albright on there was a lovely treat because then you got people asking who the fuck is Gary Albright. I'm like, well, now I can tell you. He's an honorary Uso, the first honorary Uso before Savvy Zayn. It it was like a couple of years ago before I started freelancing with Cultaholics, so we're talking, what, early 2019, I was working part-time with a advertising, a smaller advertising agency in Liverpool. And just the topic of wrestling came up and the boss was like, oh yeah, I used to watch wrestling, the Attitude Era, you know, or, you know, Steve Austin, he was great. Oh, The Rock, Triple H, Undertaker. And I really liked Gary Albright. And I was like, what the fuck, what? <laughs> He's like, oh yes, he could suplex any bastard. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I believe that was his catchphrase. Mm. I can suplex any bastard. <laughs> just ask Dave Meltzer. <laughs> or we can, you know, I saw him do it. 
I'd say a name I was happy to see on that an Anawaii family tree mm-hmm. was uh, Reno Anawaii, aka Black Pearl. Yay! It was who had like there's not he hasn't like he's not the most well known of them. Yeah, but he had like a almost like a piratey aesthetic mm. to him. And I saw him do a few shows in Europe with Rikishi, and I really like him. I thought he was great. <laughs> was Manu on there? Manu was on there, yeah. Thank um, God. Manu was on there, and uh, obviously because the Snookers are kind of like blood brothers, aren't they, with the Anawahi family. So you've got Tamina on there, and you've got Sim Snooker, a.k.a. Deuce, was Deuce it? Deuce yes. from Deuce yeah. and Domino. So Deuce is on there as well. <laughs> It's so and Jade Jacob Fartu popped up on there as well. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So expect him in WWE any minute now. Any minute. That'd be lovely. Him and him and Black Pearl as pirates. <laughs> Do it, you cowards. The uh, I got uh, and that whole presser. We'll talk about '96 in a minute. But I'm just so gushed. I'm so gushed about the presser. Jesus Christ, the, the meme energy coming off of that presser. I was, mm. I was, I was in for, I was in for the ride on that one. It was wonderful, and it it was nice as well to see. Just the rock saying he was going to slap Cody's teeth out of his fucking mouth. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. here we go. Come on. That's not the sort of language I expect on the Jungle Cruise. Definitely not, you naughty boy. Not dirty boy, naughty now. Right. You can't swear in Jumanji. Um, yeah. <laughs> Robin Williams will beat you up. <laughs> anyway, Rocky Maivia in his early form... Primoana, mm. he's nowhere near the heart of Defeaty at the moment, uh, but he's looking to Defeaty. Ah, oh. fuck yeah, Kaboshi. Uh <laughs> Salvatore Sincere again hey. uh, with Jim Cornette in his corner. So Salvatore Sincere and Rocky Maivia had a dark match at In Your House. It's time, and they're doing it with the lights on this time. Uh, we get a little tease for Shotgun Saturday Night uh, live January the fourth in New York City. Ooh. Oh, that I'm buzzing. For as we've talked about already. Um, Rocky hip tosses Salvatore out of the ring. Sonny on commentary gets quite horny. She's very much attracted to The Rock, wants to manage him, I think, for illicit reasons, if you ask me. Uh, Sincere (laughs) shuts down The Rock with a nice twisting side slam. There was something about that side slam that sort of caught me off guard a bit, I think, because he was a little... He sort of picks him up in in a twisty way and then drops him. Yeah, it, it it looked like he put a bit of stank on it as well. I don't think he was, you know, taking liberties, but he was just like, come on, son, here you go. Yeah, it really gets him down there. Same yeah. with the running neck breaker as well, sort of clothesline yeah. neck breaker that he does. It was very nice. Uh, Sonny says that she'd like to help Rocky learn how to cheat to retain mm. his advantage. Quote, I'm known to corrupt young men. Uh, Vince gives her a funny look and she's like, "What's the, what do you mean? I mean, like, in a professional sense. What do you think I mean? And Vince says, oh, I was looking at the look on JR's face because JR made, it made JR think it was a lewd comment to which JR says, God love JR, you misread my face. That's an easy thing to do. <laughs> and Vince does a big hearty laugh. <coughs> Fuck shut, off, shut, Vince, shut. but God love yeah. you, JR. Yeah, of course. Um... Rock pushes back with a clothesline. He lands some of those classic soul man strikes. He gives us the lay in the smackdown DDT. Hey. Uh, and then he wins with a shoulder breaker. The shoulder breaker never scans as a finisher for me, uh, as I think I've bored people with on many times. But I, I, if it were me at this point, I was watching the Rock wrestle. I'd say make that lay in the smackdown DDT your finish. Yeah, because it, it gets a reaction on this. I think it even gets a, a, an instant replay as well, which the shoulder it breaker does. doesn't because it's not a finisher. It's a bit crap in it as a shoulder mm. breaker. Uh, well done, Rocky Maivia. You continue on the way. Lots of promise. 
Lots of positive affirmations for Rocky Maivia on commentary. Next year is going to be a fun year. For the future most powerful person on the planet. Yes, I'm, I'm, ooh, my clairvoyant powers are saying at least four months of it is going to be a bit rough and then it's going to get very good. <laughs> I love that we are we find ourselves watching 1996, which features the WWF desperately wanting The Rock to be a good guy, but everyone hating him, as opposed mm. to in 2024, when WWE desperately wanted The Rock to be a good guy <laughs> and everybody's hating him. <laughs> You just got to lean into it, haven't you? That's yeah. when wrestling works best. Wrestling is always best when you fucking lean in, and The Rock is completely leaning in. Good on him. Mm. Uh, George and Adam are dicking yeah. about in the Alamo Dome. Great. Yeah, Cheers, yeah. lads. Nice mm. to see you. In the ring, Vince McMahon welcomes Psycho Sid. Hey. We have us. Oh, go on. I was going to say, I love the fact that Sid comes to the ring in his ring gear. He's one of those wrestlers that is always in his ring gear. He's like Pac. He's just, you know, <laughs> you might get some jeans if you're lucky, but most of the time, just undies and a wet head. I think that Sid only has, in terms of clothes in his wardrobe, uh, a bunch of jeans and some vest tops. Yeah, makes sense. That's all he has. He yeah. has like, and, and you open his wardrobe, and it's a bit like in a cartoon. We open it, and it's just the same outfit fifteen <laughs> times. <laughs> and he just looks and goes, "I'll just wear my pants today." <laughs> Good morning, Mister Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sydney! <laughs> put your bum away, Sydney. Oh, I forgot to put my underwear on. <laughs> oh, Big Bird had his bum out on the telly again. <laughs> Good morning, Reverend. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's a lovely white arse you've got there, Sydney. It's <laughs> a lovely white arse you've got there, Sydney. You'll go places. Um, was that Hulk Hogan again, was it? It was indeed. <laughs> what you going to do, brother? <laughs> Sid says, in 30 days, he has defeated the two greatest technical wrestlers in the world. Uh, I think that's what he says. They're playing his music really fucking loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he says he's a super predator, which I believe is when Predator came out on the SNES. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he calls himself the master and the ruler of the world of the WWF. He talks and says fucking nothing. Uh, Shawn Michaels is watching on a monitor backstage. Uh, and then when he asks, when uh, he then goes on to say, does Sid, that he is six foot nine <laughs> and 300 pounds. And he will be tomorrow and the day after and the day after. So he's very good at maintaining weight. <laughs> and in a week, I'll be seven foot tall and 100 pounds and something's gone very, Fuck very wrong. Did, did he have a virus? <laughs> he got stretched by the Spanish Inquisition. He's <laughs> 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 got him on a rack just to like, tell me everything you know, you big bastard. <laughs> Got a nice white ass. <laughs> <laughs> we could see that. You forgot to put your undies on again. <laughs> the only other time I've heard a promo where a wrestler has, has used his weight as, uh, as, as, as a way of uh, threatening talk was fucking giant haystacks on the road to <laughs> Wembley. When, when he was asked by Ken, Walt, Ken Waltman what his strategy was going to be facing Big Daddy, and giant haystacks went, Well, Ken! Today, I'm 38 stone. By the time I get to Wembley, I'll be 43 stone. <laughs> See, his strategy is to get fatter. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the crowd ate it up because they all went, oh, shit, that is fucked. <laughs> He's a big bastard, him. He's going to be even bigger. He's eating nothing but kidneys. <laughs> 
not even his own. He's on that all awful diet again, and you know how he gets. Oh, fucking hell, his breakfast steak. <laughs> I'm on the all awful diet. How do you feel? Awful. <laughs> I've been shitting paste for a week. Oh, fucking hell. Been shitting this grey paste. You put wallpaper up on oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and be pissed. You know when you've been pit in the wall and you, you got that, you got the water that you use to dip the paintbrush in? It's that colour. <laughs> it's, it's that density as well. Oh, I drank some, but I went blind for a fortnight. <laughs> Piss shouldn't be viscous. <laughs> Going to the doctor. It's like chip shop curry. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out of me that lava. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Sid. Yeah, Sid, yeah. <laughs> Sid came out and said nothing. It was just uh, it could have. You know what? In the in it's the same energy as the the meeting that could have been an email. Mm. Um, it was he came out and didn't really add anything that we haven't heard already last week. Obviously, they're emphasising the fact that Sid has beaten Sean and Brett in the same 30-day span, which is a great accomplishment, but the story wasn't really moved any further along. Sean watching backstage looking pissed off is really the only other part of this segment. But there yeah. it is. Uh, we get a commercial for Shotgun Saturday night. Oh, God. You've already made it uncool. A smoking, sexy, rocking good time. It's like... F- Todd Pettengill, I love you, but fuck me, mate. Yeah, I would not use Todd Pettengill to advertise my my raunchy night out. Yeah, definitely not. No, um, yeah, it's uh, but the, the visuals and stuff are great. You get the pitch, you get the the graphic of the the policeman running past the fence, mm. which they use in the DX music videos once more. Yeah, which is nice. They use it in the in the initial Raw opening as well. Um, lots of shots of the wrestlers looking a little bit meaner than normal because we're leaning into something a little bit more aggressive for this shotgun Saturday night deal mm. intrigued to keep an eye on it uh, up next triple A flavoured action because we are in bed with triple A on the road to the elbow dome elbow dome elbow hey Paul Levesque <laughs> Michael Hickenbottom <laughs> meet at the Alamo a high noon high noon at the Alamo it's what it's what <laughs> Kibashi <laughs> me it's Weatherspoons at 12 it's what <laughs> let me tell you about that cake about... yeah uh, <laughs> so d- it's it's Pierroth and Steven Etico <laughs> uh, who are announced as from the country of Mexico <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm loving this partnership. Great. It's working out <laughs> wonderfully. Mm. Uh, and they're facing the new Rockers. And this is a nice surprise. And savour it, Tom, because I looked at Cage Match. This is the last time we'll see Marty Gennetti compete in a WRF ring until that weird Rockers reunion in like 2004. See, I thought that was a few weeks ago. No, no, no. Oh, I was, I'm having that Mandela thing where I thought yeah. we had this conversation about him going about us saying that's the last time we'll see him forever. No, apparently this is the, well, this is the last match we'll see. This so. is defo the last match that we're going to see him on. Yeah. Uh, Mil Mascaras is on the Spanish announce desk doing commentary. <laughs> in a suit, which is one of my favourite genres of fella, as a luchador in a suit and his mask. If, Brilliant. I, if I was a luchador... From off of the Japan, from off of the Mexico's, right? Mm. If I was a luchador, I would t- 
totally wear my, my mask everywhere as you would, and I'd wear a full suit with it everywhere as well. I think it's a really distinctive look. Have you ever heard the the story about the great Sasuke when the great Sasuke got into politics in Japan and, you know, being a big carny, refused to remove his mask? So one day, I think he was getting the train to parliament or something he was in this suit and a mask and someone was basically like, ah look at that weird fella over there and Sasuke battered him <laughs> <laughs> more stories need to end like that and then Sasuke battered him <laughs> just just battered him just started throwing hands fuck it I'll get in I love that sadly uh, Maskers doesn't batter anybody here but we'll we'll touch base with them in a bit don't you worry yeah. uh, the crowd sit on their hands for this which is a bit of a shame uh, they're not quite sold on Pieroth and Cibernetico uh, leave Cassidy cheats to uh, striking Cibernetico to give Ginetti an advantage mm. uh, Vince calls the Mexican wrestlers high flyers and JR gets on his fucking soapbox about this and shuts him down citing Perro Aguirre as a non-high flyer this is a playoff something they talked about on 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 Superstars on, the, on, on last night where JR and Jim Cornette are on commentary and JR just starts going off during Pierre's match saying everybody thinks that all Mexican wrestlers are high flyers and that's not true so he was almost waiting for Vince to make a comment like this just so he could jump down his throat and go I'll have you know they're not all fucking high flyers well it's, it's we, we've we've seen this in the last week with AEW when it was uh, Brian Danielson versus Hechicero and everyone was just like oh yeah you forget that you know some luchadors are just like technical guys and just not flying around everywhere so yeah 28 years later and these tropes continue they keep on keeping on Cibernetico mm-hmm. uh, as, as JR says they're not all high flyers Cibernetico does a plancher out of the ring and wipes out <laughs> my genetic <laughs> And then Piero does a splash off the top rope and they win the match. JR then heads over to the Spanish announce table where he interviews Bill Mascaris. (laughs) Bill Mascaris, when asked about the Rumble, because it turns out that Bill Mascaris will compete in the Royal Rumble. Mm. He... He says that out of everyone in the Rumble, he has the best shape and the most experience, and it'll be the best match of his life. He says San Antonio is special because he's wrestled there his entire life, and he says, I expect to win this match. Despite, you know, uh, Mil Mascaras still thinking it's all real, I thought this was quite pleasant. It was just nice. I it don't know why. Very I liked pleasant. it. Yeah, he was like, oh, hello. I respect you, Mil Mascaras. Like, oh, hello, everyone. Thank you. Hello. Yeah, I am going to win, but oh, thank you. I was like, oh, okay. Do you know who didn't like the interview? Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, who, <laughs> who as soon as that finished, went, another award winning interview by JR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> fucking buried it. Oh. oh dear. We get a rundown of some of the rumble entrants here. Hunter Hurst Helmsley, Flash Funk, British Bulldog, mm. Ooh, Ahmed Johnson. Ooh. There it is. And The Undertaker. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking is that a dead ooh? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, no time to digest that because it's the Honky Tonk Man. Well, fuck me, it's the Honky Tonk Man. But he's on commentary for the main event. What's the matter, mate? WCW not go that well. <laughs> Turned up and basically went, hey, Eric Bischoff, you're a prick and I'm not doing any jobs. And he went, well, you can fuck off, mate. <laughs> and do you know what? We, you might think that's just Jack Atkins being a bit silly. That is pretty much the entire WCW run of the Honky Tonk Man. 
I'm pretty sure Bischoff said that, like, during his wrestling career, like, there's only one person he definitely will not ever work with again is Honky Tonk Man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it didn't work. He's back here. He sits on commentary and he shakes Vince McMahon's hand and says, it's a pleasure to be in the WWF. Of course it is, mate. Of course it is. Because you fucked him off in WCW. (laughs) And you've got bills to pay. Uh, the main event is here, and it's Bret the Hitman Hart in action against Razor Ramon. Mm. As the match is slowly getting underway, we learn the modus operandi of the man Tong Konki, uh, in which he says he's looking for a new charge. Oh, shit. It's yeah. that dark timeline. <laughs> yeah. Well, according to Dave in The Observer, yeah, Honky Tonk Man announced he's coming in as a manager looking for the right charge. According to Dave, the idea is for Honky to manage and perhaps do an occasional match. Well, mainly he is here as a manager. He is indeed. Now, we're not going to reveal yet who he manages, but I'd like to point out during this match, he casually turns down the the idea of managing Razor Ramon, Bret Hart and Steve Austin. So bear in mind that whoever he's going to choose is better than those three, in theory. Yeah, so, All I right. mean, let's, let's, let's see who's there. He's capable of great things. Triple H, maybe? Maybe. It, it, maybe The Rock? Oh, maybe Mankind. We'll have to wait and see. We will wait and see. Uh, this is a plodding affair for a main event. Mm. For some reason, Bret Hart decides to really give Razor Ramon the lion's share of the work to do. Uh, and a lot of the match is spent with Brett on the defense as he gets slowly beaten up by Razor Ramon. At one point, Razor does a double choke lift that perks nice, yeah. my interest. I went, oh, yeah. that's good. Uh, and then he just drops him and they carry on just slow fighting. Uh, Brett gets aggressive going into the break. Uh, sorry, coming back from the break, rather. Uh, starts fighting back by banging Razor Ramon's head onto the turnbuckle post on the outside. Uh, now we go into the break, sorry. So we go into the break as Brett's on the comeback. When we come back from it, it's as Brett is midair with a bulldog on Razor Ramon, and then he puts on the sharpshooter, and Razor submits. Bret Hart, thankfully, wins. Mm. We then... Oh, what did you think of the match, by the way? Uh, yeah, whatever. It was all about this, the kind of Bret Hart character just changing because after the after the bell and after Razor had given up he, he, he didn't break the hold straight away he kept it locked in for for a bit so mm. and he he almost looked annoyed when he was celebrating usually you know Bret Hart the character of Bret Hart's quite humble he's like yeah thank you good victory he was just like fucking look at me I'm dead good I was like oh, okay let's 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 see Stone Cold Bret Hart mm. basically mm. Mm. We cut backstage where Shawn Michaels has been watching the match on a monitor. Shawn is really fucking grumpy. Yeah. This man needs needs a sandwich or a shag because he's miserable as sin. He gets very grumpy when asked what he thinks about Brett's victory and Sid's confidence. And he's just like, hey, oh, what? Yeah, sure, whatever. Shawn calls Vince a genius when Vince says, Shawn, you're very different to Sid. And <laughs> And Sean's like, oh, you're a genius. You figured that out, did you? I'm a different person to Sid. He then kind of clicks in then and realizes I'm being a bit of a cunt. I should probably focus. He then says, look, anything could happen in a WWF title match. You've got to be prepared for anything. If I get beat, I'll get beat like a man. He then slags off Bret Hart a bit. He then slags off Sid for a bit. And then Vince very rushedly signs off. We're looking at a really grumpy Shawn Michaels. And we just hear a very jolly Vince go, Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) 
See, I, I like this though because Brett is a tweener now. Steve Austin is a tweener now. Sid is arguably a tweener now. And Brett's probably the most face of all of them, but he's still an arsehole as well. So it's just like, it doesn't matter about who's good. It doesn't matter about good guys and bad guys. All these four men are fuming with one another and it just makes me want to see them beat Seven Shades of Fuck. <laughs> it's just, it works. It's Wrestling's easy. <laughs> but I feel like we need a good guy. No? Ah, but could do. Shades of grey. People yeah, are just going to cheer who they want to cheer. You can point them in the right direction, but in times like this, when the crowd are just like, fuck it, we just want to see them fight. You just let them fight. That's true. Yeah. Uh, did you think Sean was especially grumpy this evening? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he seemed pissed off by Vince's dumb questions. Like, I think Vince said something like, oh, so Bret Hart got the victory there. What do you think? And he was like, what? You, you expected Bret Hart to lose, did you? you know, that kind of attitude. <laughs> and he's just like, I just wasn't, he, he, he wasn't smiling. I'll tell you that, Tom. He wasn't smiling. Oh, dear. I hope he's got a smile kept somewhere. He keeps, <laughs> I'd hate for him to lose it. Oh. Um, there was a, um, there was a moment in this where I genuinely thought that Sean was just going to storm off. <laughs> Yeah. About everything. Yeah. And it's hard to, the lines are very blurred when it comes to Sean. He can be quite grumpy. Oh, especially going into 97. He's going to be sunshine and rainbows. Sunshine, lollipops. And <laughs> we have one more Raw for 1997 and we'll go through it next week. Um, I'm buzzing for where we, where we are heading to. We're at that weird bit at the end of a year where everything is just sort of ticking over. Yeah, I thought if I kind of wished we'd done the Coltonic Classic Superstars review this week. I felt that after drifting through Superstars, I think I was more in, engaged with Superstars than I was with Elements of Raw this week. Yeah, I mean, I, this wasn't a bad episode of Raw. I mean, it's it's more about what the build for the Rumble. Like you're saying, they've kind of tweaked Brett. They've maybe tweaked HBK a bit. And the thing about Raw at this time is it's generally solid week in and week out, but it's just not appointment television at the moment. No. It's so, time, but we no. may, but we shall find that vibe again, hmm. heading into the new year. But we'll end on oh. a high. We'll end oh. on a high. <laughs> fucking hell. We fucking well do. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, go go watch um, Fraser's Royal Rumble documentary, which I've forgotten the name of. But over if you the just top type rope, over the top rope, I knew that it was. <laughs> uh, go watch that, and whatever you want to plug as well, Tom, I will also endorse. Great fun over the top rope. It was uh, Fraser Porter's Wanderlust of the Royal Rumble, and mm-hmm. uh, we go along for the journey with him, and it features conversations with the likes of Dylan Postel, aka mm-hmm. Hornswoggle, Maven Huffman. I wanna have the ride. I want to feel the night uh finn martin from power slam is in there kevin owens chats about the rumble with us as well uh, it's a really fun uh documentary piece that fraser yeah. and sam driver put together yeah. do go and check it out because if you like it and you watch it they will make more it's that simple um we had a few so i last week i plugged some episodes of desert island graps that for one reason or another ended up not happening so that's always a shame <laughs> because that's that's life in it so um the ones i said they will happen at some point don't know when i can tell you that on the podcast feed right now we had a great conversation with martin best he is the co-owner of progress and mm-hmm. we talk about the merger with progress and defy yeah talk about what that actually means to do a merger 
Is it just a buzzword to get people talking about something? Or is it legitimately something that's happening with changes in front and behind the camera? Yeah. Uh, and uh, also we spoke about, you know, putting fans at ease about changes to the business and reassuring them uh, that, you know, that things they love aren't going to be too tainted or, or messed with or anything like that. Martin's yeah. really honest and I appreciate him for doing so because I think I gave him some some slightly rougher questions, but he was really good with it. So it was nice to chat with Martin Best. That's on the podcast feed right now. Uh, a brilliant episode of Desert Island Graps dropped the other day with Zicky Dice. Yes. Great to chat with Zicky Dice. He, uh, at the end of it, he said, do I need to bill you for this therapy session? <laughs> he has a lot on his mind and I'm very lucky, very blessed that we have a show where people feel like they can come on and just sort of speak from the heart, no matter how yeah. they feel like it might be you know you know misconstrued or whatever and zicky has a lot to talk about at the moment he's got a lot of big plans in the pipeline but lordy lordy he wants to be doing more and he talks all about it and uh, i didn't i didn't cut anything out (coughs) not to say that i normally do i'm very i I like the fact that with a lot of desert island grab stuff we you know just let you know how the sausage is made when uh, at the end of the interview, I always ask, is there anything that you're not happy about being in there? And 99% of the time, people go, leave it all in. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with this as well, I said to Zicky, look, there's a lot we talked about in there. Are you happy with it all in there? And he was like, totally fine. Put it all out. Like, cool. There you go. If that's not a hook and a tease, <laughs> for you listening to Zicky Dice on Desert Island Grabs, I don't know what to do for you. Yeah, Zicky Dice is great. He's a dice love. We often get, we often get uh, mixed up. Me and Ziggy Dice, believe it or not, and we both get we both get Jonah Hill as well. Okay, so we 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 decided we'll both be stunt doubles for Jonah Hill and make fantastic that way. So, yeah, yeah. But weirdly, he doesn't get Joe Gacy, but I do. Oh, I know. I, who, who do I get? Oh, I don't know. Brian Blessed. You no no. I know. <laughs> you, are you sir? You get seventies in his speedos in his garden. Arn Anderson. <laughs> I do get that one, actually. Absolutely you. My brother once sent that picture to me and said, I didn't know you knew Ric Flair. And I just went, oh, fuck off. (laughs) Any pictures you find of Arn in the 70s, it's Jack Atkins. Pretty much, yeah. It is Jack Atkins. Uh, We are back next week for another (laughs) one of these. uh, And hopefully we'll have a video version to share with you. Yes. Uh, and uh, hopefully it'll still be entertaining without me having to have uh, heart palpitations to get us there. <laughs> I don't know. I think this has been some of our finest work for a while, Tom. I think, do you know what? I think it probably has as well. <laughs> I know what I haven't plugged and I want to plug it here, right? Pancake day. No, fuck, <laughs> fuck your pancakes. Stick your pancakes up your ass, Kabashi. Um, I made a, I, I did a, I did a, I did a crazy thing. Uh, on the morning of this recording, I did a very crazy thing. And for the first time in my life, for the first time in my 40 years on planet Earth, I signed up for the Great North Run. Oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Fantastic. So in September, I'll be doing uh, the Newcastle Gateshead half marathon. Uh, for, And we're doing it for Calm, for the campaign against mm. Living Miserably. They do amazing mental health work and I am raising money to support them. And in doing so, I am going to run and sweat around 13.1 miles of the gorgeous northeast. It is a chance for me to lose some weight for my wedding. (laughs) (laughs) 
and the accountability of doing it for charity will, at the very least, guilt trip me into finishing it. Oh, amazing. So, so we're doing it. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, at Tom Campbell, you'll see pinned at the top my uh, my, my page for, for donations. If you want, times are really hard. You haven't got to give us a penny. I just wanted to share that I'm doing it because it's accountability. Yeah. Like and retweets, they're free. There you go. A like and a retweet is free. I'd appreciate it. Uh, but more than anything, it's just uh, if I if I say with Jackie Olana here that I'm doing it, you know, providing nothing terribly medically terribly happens to me, then I'm doing it. <laughs> Good man. Good man, Tom Campbell. Thanks, mate. Appreciate. Right. Let's go. He's at <laughs> Brat Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. And together we're at God Holic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Kabashi is a massive gun. <laughs> It's one of my favourite wrestlers ever, though. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried he might listen and he might come and find us. Oh, he'd he'd cave us both in without breaking a sweat. I know. I know. We worry about maybe the family of of Mr. Smith uh, coming for us one day, but I I will, won't lie, mate. I'm more worried about fucking Kenta Kabashi. It's it's like the time a few years ago on Instagram, I got a notification saying, "Oh, you got a new follower." I went, "Ah, oh, who's that?" I went, "Oh, it's New Jack." Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Literally a follower. He was at your window. <laughs> he, was, he was outside of a baseball bat and a sickle. And he was like, come on then. I was like, oh, no, thank you. Just as Sean comes home, he's like, what are you doing? Oh, you and New Jack again. <laughs> Help me. Oh, oh, Orlando. I'm bleeding again. Oh, <laughs> oh Jackie. Transfusion. <laughs> 